2: This is
0: Danny and Dusty.
3: Meringutang is gonna be a thing. You're not coining anything new.
0: With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the Fan Man Hera.
3: All those with monkey sounds in there are called good.
0: The old like Danny Meringue Pie? Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080.
3: Yeah. This is gonna be awesome.
0: The fan. Good afternoon. Happy Thursday.
3: <laughs> Which
0: means Thursday means it's football day. But this, hey, first day of fall. First day of fall. We looked this up last week. It's official. The official first day of fall. So happy pumpkin spice latte day. Oh, you're just a... To everybody out there who does that.
3: What? Okay. Put put that out in the world. What? Pumpkin spice.
0: What's wrong with pumpkin spice? All the girls
4: out there with their pumpkin spice lattes dressed like Han Solo.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. We got your boots. Uh, You got your hunter boots on and your puffy vest. I'm okay with the boots. Um, in your leggings or your jeggings on. Look, I don't hate people that uh, like the pumpkin spice. I will draw the line when they try to push pumpkin spice on you in August. That's unacceptable. You just can't do that. Have you ever
3: read like how much sugar is in one of those things? No. It's like three days worth.
0: Oh. Do people expect, though, when you're getting something from like well, Dutch Brothers, you, you just expect it all to be sugar. Yeah, no, that's 100 But like sugar. when you go to Starbucks, are you the sitting there and getting anything, unless you're getting like black coffee? Or
3: Americano or something.
0: You should be expecting that it's going to be loaded with sugar, right? There's a reason why it tastes good. It's because it's just jacked full of sugar. Do people, are people like, wow, I'm really surprised. Yeah, I, I th- never saw that coming. I think
3: there's levels to it, though. It's like you're
0: overpowering the taste of coffee.
3: That's <laughs> fair, and that is a, that, that's a bad taste on its own.
0: <clears throat> I like the taste of coffee. I do not. Yeah,
4: really.
3: I'm, I'm with Danny on this one.
0: I like the taste of coffee. It just makes my guts bubble. I will tell you right I now. I get the but, whole bubble guts on coffee, buddy.
3: If you see me drinking coffee, mm-hmm. it is a dark, dark day. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Why? What does it mean? Uh, it means I have given up all hope. <laughs> oh. Yeah, No. Yeah, wow. No.
0: Okay, well, good to know that that's a
3: red flag. Yeah, so if you see me walking in with the old Starbucks, run for the hills. Okay,
0: perfect. Um, Let's get a little happier note than Danny being in a dark, dark place if he is uh, drinking coffee. I saw this today, and it made me wonder which is the best family show. On September twenty second, 1982, the show Family Ties debuted. Okay. Okay. On September twenty second, nineteen eighty nine, the hit television show Family Matters debuted.
3: Really? Was yeah. it that long ago?
0: Yeah, it was th- yeah, thirty three years ago. Which, which is which is fa- better, Family, Family Ties or Family Matters? Family Matters. You think
3: Family Matters? Yeah. Did I do that? More Merkel? more more impactful. Well, I it, loved They Steve had the more Urkel. iconic character. Yeah.
0: Well, I love Steve Urkel going to Steve Urkel. Um, I, I absolutely love that. I loved that the cop from um, Die, Hard. Die Hard ends up becoming a cop in Family Matters, mm-hmm. too. Reginald Vell Johnson. Reginald Vell Johnson, you're damn right. And he reprised that role in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine as well. But, I mean, Family Ties is a great show as well. That's Michael iconic. J. Fox.
3: Yeah, we, they've got both have great theme songs too. Yeah, I mean, it's the Keatons. Come on, I mean, it's like I mean, I, I get it. But I mean, was it Leo? Didn't they? Didn't Leo? Leonardo yeah, he, DiCaprio was yeah, on he was, Family was, Ties. He was the no. no, wrong no. show. Which no, was that? That, that? was Growing Pains. Growing oh, Pains.
0: Pains. Growing Pains. Ah, oh, I forgot about that. That was Growing Pains, yeah. where they they brought him in. Leo. Leo. So, where he was like uh the, he was like the cousin wasn't he It brought him in he was like a little cut and it, that's when the show just went totally off, off i'm not even rails. sure he was related to be honest he was just you. a neighbor kid
4: yeah there was a kid who just yeah needed some help in at home if i remember correctly mm. i could be way off
0: yep well uh so family matters or family ties which are which one do you sit on uh rust we got family matters for danny
4: I'm a Family Ties guy.
0: You're a Family Ties guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I you like can't Family Ties too. Fa- family
4: Matters, you know, part of the uh, the the old school TGIF lineup. But yeah, that's that's tough to beat. Family Ties.
0: Uh, the dad from Family Ties. He always reminded me of uh, our our neighbor that lived right next to us, Stephen Gross, his, his dad. And so <laughs> I was always 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 like a little. As a kid, I was a kind of. a Put off by the fact that the, he looked so much like the neighbor, like our next door neighbor, like, I, like exactly like our next door neighbor.
3: I had a neighbor that was like uh, Wilson from Home Improvement. You never actually saw him. Oh, you really? Peek over the fence every now and then. Hey, how's it going, neighbor? Yeah,
0: they moved to Colorado when I when like when I was like eight, and nine, or ten or something. Mm. And it was one of those things where I was just like. I got my eye on yeah. you, Mr. Keaton. That tracks. I think that I, you may be Mr. Keaton. For all I know, they moved to Hollywood, and they ended up... They was uh,
3: Colorado. They were just trying to...
0: Yeah, they throw, they're throwing us for a loop right there. Um, but I'm going to cast my vote. I'm with you, Danny. Hey. I'm a Family Matters guy.
3: Listen, man, Urkel was, was generational.
0: Urkel was great. Ur- Urkel was fantastic, but I... I love the whole family being bat s crazy in Family Matters. Yes,
3: everybody. Gets right? step it was in a, it.
0: it was a little bit more slapstick comedy than what we, what you got in Family Ties, which kind of made you think a little
3: bit more. The, the family that I loved more than Eddie, though.
0: I loved Eddie. Yeah. Yes. Eddie was. I, I think I loved Eddie more than Urkel because I remember being like, "Man, Eddie's good at basketball. Like Eddie's good at football. Like Eddie. Eddie. Eddie's the guy I want to be when I get to high school. I love Family Matters, man."
3: I'm trying to think. Did did Fresh Prince come out right after
0: the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? It may have been right around the same time.
3: I'm, I'm almost. I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. Released. I don't know release date on Fresh Prince. Yep, September 10th, 1990. Okay, so, so a year right after. after. I'd say that's that's the family that I think I grew up with the most. Well,
0: of course, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air was is it's iconic. Yeah, but. I'm just going for the shows released on September 22nd, which is a very random day. Like, it's like, this is when the fall fall, shows... release date. Yeah, when TGIF started. Um, But the same day, Family Ties, Family Matters.
3: That's pretty big. We got a debate going on here. It's kind of weird that uh, Fresh Prince was a winter release. February. It was? Yeah, February 10th, 1990.
4: Mid-season release, huh? Yeah.
0: Uh, Tells you they didn't really believe it. Hey, can I... uh, can I just go ahead and I'll, I'll get this out and just put it in the open? Mm. I cried in the last episode of, of Fresh Prince. The empty house. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have, I was a. I was a wreck. Oh yeah. I was a wreck during the for the final episode of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah.
3: No, that, that, that tracks. Yes. Uh, the uh, why don't my dad love me line.
0: Yeah, that's the
4: one that got that, me. That
3: floored me. Yeah.
0: Yes.
4: That
3: one got me. Uh, also, when. Uh, um, when Uncle Phil went yeah. and got, bailed him out, out of jail, jail. Yeah. yeah, the lawyer scene. Hell yeah, yeah that was awesome. yep There's, that show had that show had more iconic scenes than any of those family shows. Yes. any of them.: uh, Well, the perfe- Family matters had it too. They, they did they had great scenes. Don't get me wrong, but Uncle Phil made that show tremendous. Jeffrey, bring me Lucille. His yeah. pool cue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, there were so was many just unreal scenes in that show. Just throwing
0: jazz, jazz, out, jazz the out the door every episode. <laughs> I can't wait. That was fantastic. The Carlton dance. It was great. Uh, I, I'm having my mind blown right now uh, because I did love this show, too. Speaking of great theme songs, uh, I did not know Family Matters was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers.
4: Oh, sweet fancy Moses. Are you serious? Yeah, I
0: didn't. I didn't. Uh, I did mom, remember the mom the working in the ele- yeah. elevator, but here's the thing. I don't remember them tying that together with Balky Bonacomis and Corson Larry. I don't know what to tell you. But just because it's the same actress, I didn't know that it, it was, was a spinoff. You didn't know it was the same universe? Look. Uh, we're talking about this was a wild time in television. Remember, Fresh Prince decided they were just going to change Aunt Viv right in the <laughs> middle of it, right in the middle of the series. They're like, "Yeah, nobody's going to notice this one," and they they changed Aunt Viv to a completely different person. We're sitting there, and you're trying to tell me that we're supposed to connect the dots on the elevator operator from Perfect Stranger being the mom. I don't remember that being um, something that was tied together.
3: Hmm. I uh, don't be, know. To be yeah. fair, you were three.
0: I feel that you're judging me though. Oh, I'm yeah. knowing that. I'm
4: absolutely judging you. Now I'm curious too, how I wonder how close the, the uh Aunt Viv uh, uh actress swap in Fresh Prince, how close that was to um the actress swap in Roseanne, the older sister, Becky.
3: Mm. Oh <laughs> Dude,
0: Becky, she changed uh, what was that was like season three they changed Becky radically changed was that was that season three that they changed Becky well, let's do some digging here yeah I don't No, Aunt Viv is the far more dramatic change Aunt Viv was because Aunt Viv was popular and like wildly popular and then they just changed her out of nowhere and everybody's like yep no what are you talking about what's insane, so insane is the,
3: same the, person? Uh, the Becky swap it actually happened twice what? They have three different Becky's. No, no, they went back to they the went OG. back to the original for a little bit and then Sarah Chalky came back again. Yeah.
4: So it looks like, yeah, the original Becky, she was there the first five seasons. Five and then seasons. Sarah Chalky was for two seasons. Or no, and then a recurring character in a third, and then back as a
0: main. Wow.
4: Wow, they did it a couple times.
0: See, you could do this you could do this before the internet, guys.
4: They went from uh, the original was uh, what Lacey Goranson. They went from her to Sarah Chalky, back to Lacey, back to Sarah Chalky, and then back to Lacey again.
0: Did they think that they were like the twins from Jerry Maguire? Where you could just like, nobody's going to notice? We could just throw them in for a separate scene? They think it was Mary Kate and Ash- Ashley Olsen? No. Well, and, then after, people.
4: and then after Sarah Chalky had been Becky, in the seasons where the original Becky came back, Sarah Chalky had a different role as a different character.
0: You can't do that.
4: That's kind of breaking the fourth <laughs> wall, maybe even the fifth wall. <laughs> I think at that point they were just messing with us. See, yeah.
0: this is at this point, all this is is this is pre-internet. Like you know, we can say you know B.C. and A.D. and that's our that's our time. You can go for television and really Before, media. And after the internet. Yeah, it's before and after the internet, because there's no way that the internet would have allowed this yeah, to happen.
3: No. They, would have,
0: they would have eviscerated yeah. all of these shows.
3: because It didn't happen a lot. Uh, friends changed characters a couple times in their early runs, brought people back as separate characters. Um, I'm trying to think of another, uh, another show that had uh, early changes. <sighs> oh, man. God, I can't remember it now. I lost it. I had it in my. I, could, I saw the faces in my head, but I couldn't remember the name
4: of the show. Oh, and by the way, I did go back and look. Leo was a homeless kid who got a, uh, brought in by the Seaver. By family. the Seaver
0: family. Yes. Ah, jeez, those Seavers, man. They're what a great family. All right. Well, that settles your, that. That's
3: your family tree narrative. Yeah,
0: maybe we throw that up on a poll and let the let the other folks decide too. Right now, we have Family Matters beating Family Ties as the better family show to debut on September 22nd. 40 yeah. years ago, Family Ties. God,
3: that, can we not? Mm. Yeah. Can we not?
0: Oh, yeah, Robin Sherwood with a great one, too. Uh, biggest sitcom change ever, uh, Chrissy on Three's Company, where they just hit the upgrade button, and they went to Suzanne Summers and everybody's like, whoa. Oh, well, yeah. see, that,
4: though, that wasn't, that wasn't a different actress taking hey, over the same role. It was always different roles. Yes. There's
0: a new roommate moving in. Yep. Oh, man. <clears throat> okay. Well, on oh, the change in Jefferson and Married with Children, that was a great one when they brought in uh, They brought in the guy who played uh, was, uh, was the quarterback on Revenge of the Nerds. Ted
4: C. McGinley. Ted
0: C. McGinley. Well, see, and again, that wasn't like –
4: they brought him in as the, as the new love interest for, for Marcy, correct? And she got rid of her ex-husband. I, so that was, again, different characters. See,
0: that was the, they got a divorce and they just brought in Ted C. McGinley?
4: Yes. And made him I her love interest. Because remember his name? I thought they
0: just changed it. His name
4: was Jefferson Darcy, and when they got married, that made her Marcy Darcy.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, okay, we're way over already. We've got, hey, guess who we've got coming up? Uh, We got Jake Dickert, the head coach of the Washington State Cougars. He's going to join us 14 minutes from now. Uh, so we got coach Dickerton go to at Danny and dusty on Twitter. We will have our NFL picks where you can pick against the spread. We'll do that at two o'clock uh, listeners had an, had a, has a decent rebound last weekend, but it is Jeff Rust who had the biggest rebound of all. We'll get to all of our season long picks and our picks for this week coming up at two o'clock, but where we got to go next. We've got the coach of the Kooks coming up at 1230 with the Northwest schools being 11 and one. All eyes have got to be up north. Across the Conference of Champions, Danny and Dusty on the fan.
5: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink...
0: And Dusty on the fan. What a great weekend uh, for the Pac-12 this weekend coming up. Conference play is upon us. Coming off of what was, I think, the best non-conference week that the conference has had in quite some time—in a decade. It uh, now you get conference play, and all eyes are on the Northwest. With the Northwest schools being eleven and one. Uh, for the first time since 1930. That is Oregon, Oregon State, uh, Washington, and Washington State. That one loss being to, I don't know, the number one team in the country as well. It's a great showing for the Northwest schools. And you have uh, one matchup of Oregon versus Washington State. Uh, on the Palooza, we'll have mm-hmm. the coach of the Cougs, Jake Dickert, coming up uh, in about Nine eight minutes. minutes from now. Yeah, That game... I'm so excited for that game because I was looking up Bo Bo Nick stats. Mm-hmm. You want to hear my Bo Nick stat of the day? Go for it. Okay, um, I went and looked up his split stats. Okay, he in his career he has thrown for 46 touchdowns in his career. Okay, he has also thrown uh, 18 interceptions. All right, so 46 touchdowns, 18 interceptions in Bo Nix's career
3: mm-hmm.
0: at home. Over his entire career, his touchdown to interception ratio is thirty to two, which means on the road, Jesus. his interception touchdown to interception ratio is sixteen to sixteen.
3: Yeesh, that's some Jekyll and Hyde stuff. Good God!
0: Yep, his completion percentage at home sixty five percent. His completion percentage on the road fifty five percent.
3: They need a hypnotist to tell him he's at home.
0: Yeah. He has thrown for 4,600 yards at home. He has thrown for 3,300 yards on the road in his career. Jeez. Yeah. It's incredible, man. It, It truly is incredible to see how different he is from home to the road. And look, that Georgia game, it was not pretty, right? Uh Zero touchdowns, two interceptions on the road, or that would be a neutral site game, which I'm considering, just, that is considered in the not at home. Not at home, certainly. Okay. He's looked fantastic in Autzen Stadium. Yeah. He against Eastern Washington, duh. And then BYU. He was fantastic. He, in decision-making, quick on the reads, he's going to a hostile environment at, at Washington State. I am so interested to see him and how he performs when he goes on the road, because historically it has not been good.
3: It, that's not even just like ah uh, he no. deviates a little bit. No, he's flat out garbaggio on the on the road.
0: Yeah, that's true. That is true,
3: Bob. That's that's shocking. Yeah, like there's home road splits for a reason because it, mm-hmm. there's certainly always something. I didn't realize it was that drastic.
0: Yeah, thirty My goodness. 30 touchdowns, two interceptions at home, uh, sixteen and sixteen away from his home venue. God,
3: and the thing is, it's like not only is he, is he very bad on the road, mm-hmm. he's very good at home.
0: Yeah, and that's at Auburn and at Oregon, obviously.
3: That's incredible.
0: Sample size pretty big, too. Also, I was thinking about this uh, with Oregon State hosting USC. Uh, you have two unbeatens, 3-0. I think it's the first time that these two teams have met uh, undefeated since 2000 when Jonathan Smith was the quarterback <laughs> of Oregon State. Is this going to be the last time we see... USC and Corvallis ever. Yeah. Ever.
3: Yeah. No, because there
0: would be no reason for them to come back and play a home and home once they go to the big 10. And with the schedule shifting next year and the rotations happening 2025, they're going to get UCLA over the next two years, 23 and 24. When 25 comes back around SC and UCLA are gone. gone. This is going to be the last time they ever go to Corvallis. I think ever.
3: Why do you think I'm trying to get down there?
0: Jeez Louise. Um, And then you have up a 3-0 Washington, which should they be on upset alert? Because guess what? They get a Stanford team, and Washington has looked like the far superior team in every way, shape, and form. But guess what Stanford is? Coming off a bye, baby. And they get to go up to Seattle with two weeks to prepare for nothing but this new offense from uh, Michael Penix Jr. and Kalen DeBoer. Like it, it's a big. I mean, you think about that in those yeah. terms. Like, ever, all eyes should be on the Pacific Northwest.
3: That's gonna. Be, I mean, you go from having the best week in Pac-12 history, or not best best, best week in Pac-12 history, best week in a, a decade. Recent to, memory, for sure. Uh, maybe the one of the most important weeks. Yeah.
0: Well, let's I'll talk. Let's talk about one of the great games. It'll be a national broadcast on Fox. A one o'clock kick. You can hear right here on the fan. Jake Dickert is the head coach of the Washington State Cougars, and he joins us next.
5: After the end of a good fight,
4: you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy,
1: the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer
4: imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
0: Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high,
1: it is far, it is God.
0: Stream minor league affiliates.
1: The Midwest League home run leader.
0: And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
3: Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez!
0: Subscribe to AtBat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Is Rust with SportsCenter. This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, the Fan. A big game up in the Palouse on Saturday as the 15th-ranked Oregon Ducks head up for unbeaten Washington State. Uh, Anytime you get a big game like this in Pullman, it gets rowdy. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one as it'll be right here on the fan, 1 o'clock on Saturday. For a little chat, we bring on the head coach of the Washington State Cougars, Jake Dickert. Coach, how you doing today?
2: Wow, we're doing great. Just uh, excited to be on. I appreciate the time.
0: Hey, you know, this this season, it has been a, a, an impressive start by any uh, metric. But going on the road and getting that win at Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago, um, I think that is one that everybody's going to look to to hang your hat on. How did you um, evaluate, though, your team coming off a big win-, win like that and taking care of business against the Colorado State team where uh, we see it all the time? you know, Letdowns happen when you, when you start buying into your own hype, but your guys were very workmanlike in that win over Colorado State.
2: I think it shows a little sign of maturity for our football team and where we're going. And the best part is through the first two games that we left a lot out there and there was still a lot to improve on. And, and we wanted to look ourselves in the mirror and still get better and keep growing, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, in that football game, we really wanted to start fast. And uh, we did that. Uh, we held them out of the end of the first four possessions. So it was a big momentum builder for our football team. And I just, think it shows a sign of maturity and guys believing in the process versus believing in the hype.
3: Well, you kind of led me right where I want to go here, Coach. Uh, speaking of the, of the process and, and kind of building something, you guys are appear to be doing something very different uh, up there in the Palouse, changing the identity of the Cougars from the run-and-gun offenses, the air raid systems of the Leach air, obviously, into a team that's much more balanced and uh, much more impactful on the defensive side of the ball. How has that kind of gone process-wise and culture-wise uh, with such a dynamic shift?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing is we want to win as a team. And I think that's a very important distinction and our guys know and understand that. And, you know, I've been here for three years, and we've been trying to build a defense with this mentality for a long time. And, uh, you know, our guys have really bought into it. They've bought into our, our culture, our program, and, and really what, you know, we want to be about, and that's that's effort that's playing hard, playing fast, and playing together. So, you know, we knew we would be in year three of this defense, and we're still in year one of our offense. But uh, a lot of people ask, hey, coach is a defensive coach, you know, this and that. I love scoring points, guys. You know, I would imagine (laughs) Coach Landing would be in the same way. You know, so we're working our tail off to be explosive on offense, and everything you just said about the air raid era, we want to have that same explosive style of play as a complete team. And I believe – You know, bringing in tight ends and running the ball, it creates a toughness mentality for football teams and one that you need to win big football games in the Pacific Northwest. So it's a shift of culture more than a shift of mentality. And our guys are craving the accountability and they're buying in and they're trusting what the coaches are telling them and they're trusting each other.
0: You know, one of those guys that I, I love watching who, who has that mentality that you're talking about is, number one, Dan Henley. Man, he is fun to watch. When you talk about that process and that growth, what have you seen in him uh, to turn into what has become like a one-man wrecking crew on that defense of yours? Well,
2: his story is amazing. I mean, this is only his second year playing linebacker. He was a wide receiver at Nevada for the first three years of his career. And, uh, you know, last year they just put him out there in in week two, and he was just kind of see-ball, get-ball guy. You know, now he's a linebacker. And uh, and that was our biggest selling pitch when we got him here. Obviously, Coach Ward, uh, our defensive corner, coached him there. And then my background, you know, we're like, Dana, now you have two linebackers coaches. And he's processing the game at the high level. He's always been an explosive athlete, and he's making the plays that are there for him, and he's not pressing. So. Uh, he, he's got a problem, especially, you know, rushing the passer. I mean, to have four attacks and the linebacker is fantastic, and we're trying to find ways to use his strength. But he's playing within our defense. I think that's an important distinction uh, because when you trust your teammates and you make the plays that are there for you, there's still a lot of uh, plays to be made. So I'm proud of his development, and he's been and hope to handle a little success.
3: Before diving into the, the matchup with Oregon this weekend, on the other side of the ball, Cam Ward, Uh, Each week has gotten a little bit better, showing a little bit more. The offense has gotten more on track. You said you wanted to get kind of going with with those, those explosives on that side of the ball. How do you work towards that each week into integrating him fully into the system, getting a little bit more out of him and that offensive unit just week by week?
2: Well, I think mean, that's the importance of non-conference. I mean, you have three weeks to really figure out who you are. And we're very young around them. You know, we got four new offensive linemen, um, You know, four guys playing in different spots and new receivers and getting on the same page and a new offense. You know, so I think each week we have really grown. And Cam is obviously getting most of the attention and, and most of the credit and obviously most of the criticism. And, and we know that, and he's accepted it so long, and he continues to get better. But he's made for this moment. And I have full trust in Cam and his ability uh, to go out there and make plays. I think the biggest thing, if we're going to have a shot against our opponent this week, is we've got to take care of the ball. And that's an emphasis as we've gone. And, and Cam knows that he has a full trust that you know I can possibly have in a player to go out there and make plays off script and, and play the way he's capable of playing. So it's been exciting to see his growth, and he's getting more and more comfortable and but it's a byproduct of everybody else around you and
0: know, making sure they're doing their job as well. You know, Coach, and we're talking with Jake Dickert, the head coach of Washington State. Coach, you step in last year uh, at a midpoint in the season, and – you know, it, a lot was changing, and a lot was coming at you really fast. Now that you had the whole offseason, as you said, this these three preseason games. How has your role changed from from being the defensive coordinator and head coach to now just the head coach of the Washington State Cougars? In in your workload and your balance of time uh, over these first three three weeks of the season,
2: I think it does change a lot, uh, even more than I even kind of anticipated. But my biggest mindset coming in is I want to make sure everyone saw me not as the head coach of the defense, but the head coach of the team. And I think that's an important distinction, And making sure you're balancing your time between offense, defense, and special teams and be able to have input um, and, and just really aligning our team and our leadership structure to make sure everybody's on the same page. So that was very important to me. Uh, there's no question, you know, as we go throughout practice and we go throughout games, I always have that one eye on the defense. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I've hired an amazing coaching staff and a support staff, and I have full trust that everyone's going to have the ability to do their job. Um, you know, we had a, a mock game the first week before uh, we played Idaho, and I didn't have that coach out there for the first time, and it was, it was definitely unique unique and different. And, you know, as we continue to go through each game, it, it becomes more and more normal, and just making sure you always have an eye on the bigger picture and, making sure our players and their futures, and, and making sure they're good on and off the field, and, and building the relationships that's the life for this team. So excited about the new journey, and, and excited about what we're doing here in Washington State.
3: Well, diving into the matchup this week with Oregon, obviously it's it's a big big matchup weekend in the Northwest with you guys taking on Oregon, Oregon State uh, taking on USC. It's you guys have got, I, I don't, you guys haven't gotten the respect that you deserve so far. Uh, you're, I'm sure you're well aware of the stat that's out there. You're the only uh, Power 5 school in, in uh, poll history to have a true top 20 road win and not be ranked. Going out there against Oregon, it, does that defensive-minded, slight-minded mentality, does that kind of impact the way you get, you get your guys ready for this kind of game? Yeah,
2: there's been a lot of chatter about that this week, and the biggest thing is I'm a big believer that there isn't an external factor that's motivate or drive our performance. Right, there isn't. Right? It's, it's the focus on what each man and each player and each coach needs to do so we're at our best for 60 minutes on Saturday. And those are things that we can't control. And I don't use them as motivation. We've been focused. We know this game is about us and our execution, and we're trying to go against the faceless opponent each and every week. So that's part of trusting the process that I've talked about since January 1st. And, and those you know, messaging to our team, it doesn't change. Win, lose, and draw. It's the same messaging and the same standard that we want to live to. So I don't know that you guys feel that might be a little bit of coach speed, but that's how, you know, we need to approach things, and, and that's how you stay consistent. So uh, this is a heck of a team coming in here. And, uh, you know, we know what Oregon is, and they're physical, they're fast, they're big, uh, and they play really good, disciplined football. So they're they're obviously a tough opponent uh, come Saturday.
0: You know, one thing that we've been uh, trying to figure out here in in Oregon is we're watching – Uh, the Ducks play is their rotation of all the skill guys and and guys are coming in and out of games and there's a, there's a heavy rotation as a defensive coordinator, you know, how, how do you view so many different personnel groupings uh, coming in and out of games, whether it's, you know, you're going from, you know, 11 personnel to 13 personnel, but then you have, you know, different players coming in as well. How, how does that kind of register with you as a defensive coach?
2: I think very few teams in the country have this much depth and talent and they have the ability to use it in very unique ways. And I think they do a really good job of trying to create mismatches and getting speed in space. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Whoever wins space in this game and to get each other down will have a lot of success, you know, so it's a unique challenge. Uh, one, I think they do a really good job on offense, not doing the same things week to week and, and obviously exploiting uh, their opponents. And I think, uh, you know, Obviously, it's just a three-game sample, but throughout the history of you know, their offensive coordinator, what he's wanted to do it off their fair flow to mean, it's been impressive. So uh, it would be something about space so that we've got to make sure we're winning, and, and we've got to win those one-on-one matchups and get people down, and, and you help yourself by that, but playing with extreme effort, and I think that's what uh, the calling part of this team is.
3: Coach, I want you to be honest here now. Do you get a little excited when you go up against another young coach like Dan Lanning who's on the defensive side of the ball? Do you, do you get do you get a little jacked up, kind of seeing where things kind of stack up and how you guys attack games?
2: Well, I wouldn't say it that way. I'm just excited to have another defensive head coach there's, there's <laughs> not enough of us out there. So, um, and and I'm, a, I'm a, this is true. I got a chance to meet Coach Landing for the first time at the spring meeting there's not a more humble and better person out there. And, uh, you know, it's just really a pleasure to talk to and get to know and, and to hear more about his journey and being a small-town college guy like myself at one point. And, uh, and he won a national championship at the highest level. I got so much respect for his journey and what he does. And, uh, you know, really the person that I got to meet there was, was fantastic. So I, I do cheer for defense head coaches this kind of time like, this week.
0: <laughs> what are you expecting from Martin Stadium? I mean, this is the this is the first time that you know you can have the full student section and a, a game that look everybody in Pullman is is looking for and is going to be up for when you get undefeated Cougs in a top fifteen team rolling into town. Well, I
2: would expect a game day environment without a game day here, you know, and uh, that that's been the mindset of our fans and. You know, I think obviously from our early success, it's really built up that momentum, and, and our people being really proud of the way we play. You know, so I expect a rowdy crowd. You know, early, early in this one. So, you know, I'm excited about the 1 talk tank and just the engagement and, and our fans and our program and, and the direction we're heading, and, and they can make a difference on Saturday. You know, I think that's the biggest part. So, uh, get here early, be here loud, and it'll be a fun environment. And this is what makes college football so special.
0: You know, Coach, I, I don't know if you are, are aware of this, but Washington State, Vancouver campus, so close to Portland, uh, there are a lot of fans of, of basketball here that love Wisconsin-Stevens Point because of one Terry Porter being a legend mm-hmm. for the Portland Trailblazers. And we I, go. I, I, we, I always say I've never met a Coug I don't like, and now I'm sitting here and I, I've got to say I've never met a Pointer I don't like because you between <laughs> you and Terry Porter – I think we've got a lot of Wisconsin Stevens Points fans being made here in the Portland area. So thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. May and pointers with
2: the, with the attention. I love it. Thank you for bringing attention, and thank you for having me on.
0: and go proof. There he is, uh, the head coach of the Washington State Cougars, Jake Dickert. Look, there's not a whole lot of talent coming out of Wisconsin Stevens Point. But when they do. <laughs> but when they do. But when
3: they do. Terry
0: Porter, and now Jake Dickert. I think like that that Venn diagram of Blazer fans and Coug fans, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Stevens, Stevens Point is right in the middle there <laughs> as something that everybody can get along with, right?
3: I randomly got sent there <laughs> for, for an Air Force trip one time. There in Alpena, Michigan. So, uh that's that's my my only Wisconsin Stevens Point reference.
0: Oh man. Uh Coach Dickert, I mean there's a there's so much that we can take out of that. I really like uh, Jake Dickert, man. And I like it was a
3: dude. We only got to spend a couple minutes yeah. with him at, at media day, and I looked at you after you left. I was like, "Can we get him back? Yeah, because he, he's just he's a ball of energy, man.
0: And he, he is. There's a there's a there's a lot of honesty there. Yeah. And um, what is really I- impressive is the genuine nature. Like BS and fakeness, it gets sniffed out by a locker room really quickly. Yeah. And I think that was kind of what led to his success and ob- ultimately being named the head coach mm-hmm. of Washington State was there was a genuine enthusiasm behind him. He's sincere.
3: Him. Like the, if you ever get a chance, to, if you ever see him in person or if you ever see him in an interview and you see that energetic, happy, just you want to be around it feeling, it's real. Like He, he has a level of charisma and a, a level of joy and a level of like, it's infectious. No. And when it, when you have that, it's you know it's real because that you can't fake. You don't either have it or you don't. That that level of it, and you just kind of want to be around it. And it's one of those things where when, when he left, I was like, "There's something going on at Washington State. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't put my finger on it, but I believe in him and whatever he's doing." And you're starting to see that in that program.
0: Yep. And if there's a name that you want to become familiar with, I, I think uh, the guy that he gushed over. Who, I, it deserves a little bit more, and uh, I think we should get to it next. If you're a Duck fan, Watch know the, the name Deon Henley. <laughs> uh, we'll tell you why next. Danny and Dusty on the Fan.
2: Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and
0: 1080 The Fan. Okay, we just spoke with Jake Dickert, the head football coach for the Washington State Cougars. Uh, a little bit of a spotty phone connection that he had there, but uh, able to hear him all the way through. And I think if there's one guy that has just stood out when you watch Washington State football this year, it's Dayon Henley. Uh, their linebacker who, it's not just the numbers that he's he's putting up, but Pro Football Focus has him uh, grading out as a, an 81, which is one of the highest-rated uh, linebackers for for kind of comparison's sake. So the last couple of years, Noah Sewell, who's not grading out that high right now, he's been at like a 77, and you're looking at an 81 for Dayon Henley. And
3: Sewell, on those grades before, was looked at as a he's high-end a, potential NFL prospect.
0: Well, yeah, just doing your assignments and and executing – it's not just about putting up numbers. But Dayon Henley in through three games has thirty tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, four f- uh, four sacks, one interception, and two forced fumbles. He is a one man wrecking crew. He's averaging a forced turnover every game. Mm-hmm. And granted, I know that games one and three out the gate weren't uh they played what, Idaho and Colorado State. Colorado State, by the way, the worst um, FBS program in many, many evaluations out there. Very and bad. Worse than Colorado. Like which, the state I mean, of Colorado may have the worst football being played in it, period.
3: Hey, Air Force is very, very, very upset about that. M-
0: very mediocre Air Force is the best wow. program in that state. Wow. Hell, northern Colorado might be better. Colorado School of the Mines may be better at this point, which wow. you, may, you may laugh at Colorado School of the Mines – But they did run uh, one of the most explosive offenses in the history of college football. So I'm just saying, a Division II school may be the best one in that state. I don't know.
3: How dare you be smirched by Falcons?
0: Well, okay. Colorado sucks. There you go. And Colorado State sucks. They do. Um, But they did play Wisconsin, and they went on the road, and he had a hell of a day at Wisconsin as well. And I think that says a ton about him. But Dayon Henley being a guy that, as Dickert said, was a wide receiver.
3: He was a, a wide receiver. A dude. Um, there, a There is a reason why uh, Lincoln Riley went after him in the transfer portal. So shout out Dickert for, for landing him because he's a transfer from Nevada. Um, but uh, he's just, you know what I think of when I think of a dude like that? He's just a football player. Just like a, like a Jack Coletto. Like you're just like, you just, maybe he's not where he needs to be. Playing up a certain position, then all of a sudden you find something for them and you're like, just find a way. Yeah. And they just do. And I, I love these kind of stories where it's like, no, we just, uh, you know, we kind of stuck them out there and saw what happened and then boom.
0: Well, and I think that this is going to be what schools like Washington State and Oregon State thrive on, which is taking guys out of the portal and having a track record of developing them and mm-hmm. making sure that they do thrive with where they're at they in their eat. new spot. No. And that is, but the, the hardest part about it is you have to have a list of guys that you have developed over yep. your tenure as a coach. And when you get guys like Deon Henley in there who turn into stars when they come from Nevada, that helps you tremendously because high school recruits may not see it or they may not understand it,
3: but, but after a year in school, they a couple it. of years.
0: They'll be like, all right, well, what have you done for? And they can just lay it all out there. Mm-hmm. Hey, We've got Dion Henley. We've got you know Cam Ward. We this this is what we do with guys from the portal. Yeah. We make them better and give them an an opportunity.
3: John Smith is taking the Dennis Erickson model from his playing days and applying it to today. Realistically, they're recruiting where they can to to get the wins that they can, and then we had this at media day. He goes, "Listen, we're gonna we're not gonna like attack the transfer portal and bring in twenty guys, but we're gonna target guys that we really want that we that we want to." add to our roster and get guys that make sense for us right away, which is the same thing that Erickson did at Oregon state when they went out and got absolute monsters and that 2000 team.
0: Well, I think Jonathan Smith's guys go to class. Maybe listen, I I'm just saying uh. Chad Johnson didn't spend much time in a classroom at Oregon state. He went there. He went to Oregon state for a term.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that it was the, the best, but on the football field, they did yeah. pretty well in that portal, yeah. or yeah. not necessarily a portal then, but uh, the, the JUCO guys.
0: Oh, man. They're, they're
3: just applying a different principle of the same do thing. Did,
0: the one thing I will give Jonathan Smith a, a more credit for, you're, you're totally right in that you've got to mix your JUCOs in with your high school recruits that you develop and you grow with. I think character matters with Jonathan Smith. It does. I don't think Dennis Erickson gave 2 years. Well, know he coached wants. at Miami. And he just so. said, do you have a pulse? Can you play football? Well,
3: no, 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 Come no. Come on down. No, it was. Can you play football really well? Mm, well, yes, because <laughs> that's he. He got guys that were very good. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Guys like
3: T.J. Houshmandzadeh and Chad Johnson aren't spending a lot of time in Corvallis. See, but here's the thing:
0: that. you have to mix those guys in with, with a your stab- culture guys well, with a stable of guys that Mike Riley brought in. Yeah, right. Like Mike Riley brought in like a stable of, <laughs> of Mike Riley. Oh, job. Ja- Come on down to Corvallis, and yeah. we'll play some football, and you'll have a great time. Hip hip hooray! Otherwise, and then Dennis, Dennis Erickson's line. like, "Yeah, I don't care. Uh, you guys are uh, all right. Yep, let's come on, back on yep. it on up. Let's go. We need some players in here, and you get those two things together, and Jonathan Smith experienced both of those. Mm-hmm. Th- then you have a the the a chemistry yeah. to make a good football team. Yeah. It's it's actually and it's a it's, good it's, formula. It's,
3: it's what we're watching happen down there.
0: Yeah, well." Again, I will say with, with far more emphasis with, on character of everybody being brought yes. in Yeah, <laughs> down at Oregon State right now. All right, so let's get to our number two. Um, where we got to start, we haven't even touched on it yet. What in the world is going on in Boston? Danny and Dusty on the fan.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours